Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. We just spoke with Cara Golden, who is an American businesswoman, founder and CEO of Hint Water, a flavored water brand founded in 2005. Me and Ash have both loved the Hint Water. And we also both loved her book, Undaunted, which is all about her journey, which we're about to learn more about. So, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Cara, she was fantastic to chat to. We spoke about how she created opportunities, not just in business, but also in her career before she started a business. We speak about taking the leap going from a, an employee to an entrepreneur or an accidental entrepreneur, as she calls herself. And then we speak about all things business and, of course, mention a couple of books at the end. So, let's get into it. So, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Cara. Uh, I'd like to start from a quote at the beginning of your book where you say, I had learned it's tough to ignore somebody who's standing right in front of you. So, that was my plan. Do whatever it takes to land an interview and get a job. So, I think it's a great place to start with how you started your career and some of your persistence and where that really got you. Yeah. Well, one of thank you so much uh, for having me, first of all. Very, very excited to be here. So uh, my book is called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And, and um, you know, one of the stories that I share in the book is is really just about showing up. And so I think so often we throw up walls in front of ourselves to, to say that there's, you know, people aren't going to meet with me. I don't have the right experience. It's never going to happen. Uh, they won't respond to my emails. So why even bother uh, writing to them? And instead, I've always really looked at how do you break through, that that's the most important thing. How do you get over the wall? How do you crush the wall down? And when I look at even an experience that I had when I had when I got my first job, that's when I really wanted to work for Fortune Magazine. Fortune Magazine was uh, was kind of it for me. I thought it kind of mixed good journalism that simplified finance, and I decided that I would write to the managing editor of Fortune Magazine and say, "Hey, I really want to work for you, and I'm a new grad from from university, and and you should definitely hire me." And he wrote me this very nice note back and said, if you're ever in the New York area, definitely let me know. Uh, I, of course, a 21-year-old got that email and I thought, this is gold. I'm going to hang on to it and I'm going to go to New York City and save my money. And I ended up going to New York City and where else do you get a job but an HR department? I mean, I was always taught that send it to the HR department, right? So I show up at the HR department and that's when I shared uh, that I had this letter from the managing editor, the poor head of HR, uh, didn't know what to do with me. Uh, she was actually introduced to me after the receptionist had zero idea what to do with me because she had never seen a letter from the managing editor before. And that's when I did, frankly, what I do still today when you don't see that there's going to be an opportunity. Maybe you see the door is kind of shutting on you. I said, is there anyone else here that would meet with me? Uh, that maybe they're looking for somebody who is kind of a hungry, scrappy, entry-level uh, role. And, and that's when she said, you know, I do have this person at Time Magazine. And Time Magazine was not my first choice, but it wasn't a bad choice. And that's when I went and interviewed and ended up getting a job and, and the rest was history. And, and I think that 
you know, it's it's a lesson that I share a lot with people because I again, I think that it's always great to have a goal. It's always great to keep your head um, and your mind on that goal, but always know that if you feel that that goal isn't going to be met for some reason, why not ask what else can happen? Because oftentimes that's really what's meant to be. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a subtle shift, but it's a it's an important shift. Yeah, the, the I guess the normal approach is looking for opportunities. It's looking for mm-hmm. the the job ad that pops up, or looking for the recruitment drive, or you know applying to all those jobs. But you you went to the um, creating opportunities by showing up on doorsteps and by emailing people. You're not just waiting for opportunities to come to you. You were looking for ways to create opportunities out of thin air. Yeah, and it's kind of fun, frankly, like going that route too. That I, I just, I thought it was, you know, sort of like a puzzle in some ways because when things are defined for you, then it's a very prescriptive approach in anything that you do, right? I mean, take your book launch for example, or if you know the people who have launched in normal times, they'll tell you exactly how a book launch is supposed to be. Well. Most of those people will would admit today that they don't know how to do it because they they aren't launching their book during this time, so they can give you their two cents, but they don't really know for sure. And so instead, it's about being able to think on your feet, being able to use things like you know EQ to recognize how somebody reacts to something, and and I I think that those little things are things that you know, also lead me to kind of recognize that those are qualities that are so critical in almost everything we do. And just the idea of having this ability and this goal of moving forward in some direction, that direction, you may have to pivot along the way. You may have to change in some way, but more than anything, you got, you keep going in some direction and change plans, that doesn't mean that you can't, it didn't mean for me that I wouldn't eventually work at Fortune Magazine. In fact, Mm -hmm. when I took the job that first day, I thought, okay, I've got a job at Time. I know it's a great job, but maybe eventually I'll get to Fortune. And that never happened. Instead, I got recruited out by a late stage startup called CNN. Never in a million years thought that I was going to be going to CNN right? But things happen along the way that allow you to, you know, keep moving and you have to watch for those cues. And, and you know, so many f- factors there that I think lead you into, in, into just being a much more resilient person and having, I don't know, people have said to me also being more zen about, uh, about the experience that if it doesn't work out the way that maybe you anticipated, you have to kind of roll with it and keep mm. going. Yeah, and a common thread I've re- read from your book and obviously that story at the start is um, you seem to take the uncomfortable path a lot of the time. I mean, just rocking up to a place to get a job compared to just sending an email, that is worlds apart in terms of discomfort. So how have you navigated your comfort zone? Do you Have you seen that as something you should be constantly moving towards as this as a positive sign sort of like a north star to be going in that direction well it, it's interesting as I, as I've gotten older I think that one thing that I really 
uh, am very aware of is putting putting challenges in and obstacles in my path on purpose, right? And so one of the stories in the book, and and that frankly I should back up and say it can happen in your career, it can happen in your personal life. Uh, for for me, one of the stories I share in the book is one of something that you know I think about a lot in my personal life, which is a fear that I have, which is heights. And so uh, to many people who know me and know that I'm afraid of heights, the idea of hiking the Grand Canyon, that that was stupid, a big idea, however you want to you know view it, right? And maybe if you don't know the Grand Canyon, it's not Everest, but you know, it's a, it's a decent sized mountain. It takes a little while to go and hike it, and uh, and you know, for for me, I think it it's placing those challenges in your path, and not only having a little bit of fear and a little bit of uncomfortableness, but what I've found is that most of those times I've been able to get through and surpass what I thought I was going to be able to accomplish. So whether it's based on time or, uh, or you know, level, maybe in a company or whatever it ends up to be, those things kind of happen along the way, but they don't happen if you don't purposely put challenges in your path. So did I have to go hike the Grand Canyon? Did I have to go and get over the fear? No, but could I also have put you know, no fear into my life, never, ever gone and challenged this fear of heights. Of course I can. It's a choice that I make. But instead, if you figure out those fears and try and tackle them, I think that that's definitely something that it just makes you, you know, much, it it builds character for sure, but it also makes you stronger along the way. Absolutely. So you had a wonderful career in the in the tech world, and um, you went out to start your own business in the health industry. Can you tell us about what made you instigate that jump? Because um, that again was a bit of a jump, and it might have been a lot of uncertainty involved in making that decision. Sure. It, well, it was uh, a. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't sit there and think, okay, I'm going to go and start my own company or start a beverage company. And going from tech to beverage is not a uh, you know natural thing to do, I think, in most people's mind. But for me, it was when I was taking a break, I took a couple of years off to spend time with my family. And it was when I really looked at what I was passionate about and what I really was thinking about, and that was my own health. I had gained a bunch of weight over the course of uh, many years um, and really started looking at what I was eating and my exercise. And my exercise was clearly um, just fine, but I wasn't really sure about kind of my eating and caloric intake. I had never really paid attention to dieting or, you know, counting calories. That was someone else's business. But when I had finally gotten to kind of the end of my rope, that's when I went and tried some diets. That's when I started counting calories to see whether or not that made a difference. And I found that it didn't make a difference. And when I had finally come to a point of, kind of giving up, I remember saying to myself and to anyone who was listening, 
it is really hard to get healthy. Like I made some big blanket statement around the fact that it shouldn't be this hard to get healthy. I mean, why is it that there's so many diets out there? There's so many words that make things seem healthy, yet they might not be healthy. And that was kind of as far as I had gone with it. And then one day I was looking down at my diet soda, my diet Coke in particular, and saw all these ingredients on the can. And I thought, what the heck am I drinking? I mean, I don't even know what I'm drinking. And that's when I decided to give it up only based on the fact that I had to do some research on the can before, you know, confirming that it was truly healthy. And when I gave it up and swapped my Diet Coke for plain water, that's when two and a half weeks later, I lost 24 pounds. I had cleared up my adult acne, which I had developed as well. And the first thing I thought about I thought of two things. The first thing I thought about was I had thought that diet soda was healthy for me because of the word diet. (laughs) And number two was that this is not going to be an easy journey for me because I don't love the taste of plain water. And if you don't love the taste of plain water and you have now decided that you need to drink that to stay healthy, then it kind of stinks, right? Like you're, you're like, what, what am I going to do? I mean, I, it's like a forced feeding situation. I mean, it's not a good situation. And so I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water just for taste. Mm. I didn't sit there and think, you know, this is going to be a product. I'm going to go launch a company. I'm going to disrupt the industry. I'm going to take on big soda, all of these things that I've been now known to do. Instead, I thought, I figured this out. I can take this product to other people and help them get healthier and help them make it easy. And so it wasn't until other people had seen what I had done, primarily because I was getting recruited in the tech industry and I was had to break the news to people, well, I'm, I'm not really interested in a job right now because I've kind of like started this little project on the side and... You know, I'm going to see where it goes. And that's when I, I just, people would say, that's so cool that you started your own company and, and how you went from one industry to another. And I'm like, is it a company? I mean, I don't even know if it's going to work. We, had, we didn't raise money. I self-funded it initially. I didn't want to take anyone's money because I thought if I take people's money, then they won't have dinner with me if it's a failure. I mean, I, I was just not the traditional Silicon Valley startup entrepreneur, I guess, in some respects. I had worked for some of those people, but I never really thought even working for Silicon Valley startups that I would become, you know, a startup entrepreneur one day. It's a fantastic story. The The initial level uh, makes a lot of sense, as in just for you, adding slices of fruit to your, to your water. 
uh, probably the current level also makes sense to people as well. Like a massive company with factories and plants and distribution all over the country, that probably kind of makes sense to people in a way as well. Like they know what a big a big beverage company is. But what's like that very sort of first step from going from the, the kitchen table to something that you can sell to other people? I assume you weren't just selling people slices of fruit and glasses of water. What's the, What was like the first version um, of something that you could sell or productize? It's a great question. Uh, well, I, I literally was doing as much reading as I could. I was trying to network uh, with my network. I didn't know beverage people. I mean, it, it was just, I, I mean, do you guys? Do you guys know any people who work <laughs> in the beverage? So that was me, <laughs> right? And again, this was a little over 16 years ago. LinkedIn was not, you know, in the scope, Google wasn't there. I mean, Google was there, but it was, you know, tiny. I mean, it just wasn't, it, I, I didn't really have that network out there. And then when I finally started, you know, looking around for people who had been in this industry to give me some of the answers, I was this tech executive. And they said, what, like, what are you doing? What, <laughs> you have no idea. You haven't worked for Coke and Pepsi. How are you going to be able to do this thing? And so I wanted a product that was just fruit and water. Sounds easy. But when I would talk and finally get to people who had been in the beverage industry, they're like, oh, we don't use real fruit. Uh, <laughs> we use preservatives in the product. And I'd say things like, why? And most people didn't know the answer. They were either on the sales side or they were on the supply chain side or they were on the finance side. They're like, I have no idea. That's just the way it is. And I was like, oh, interesting. I was always super curious. I think that that's the thing. But now I look back and think that while that was a really, really tough uh, you know, space to be in, not coming from the beverage industry and trying to enter the beverage industry, I also feel now like it was an advantage for me because I came in with this lens not only of asking a lot of questions, but I was already smart and curious, but I was jumping into an industry and asking questions that people didn't know the answer to. So I had to dig in and try and figure out how, you know, to, to get to that point. So it wasn't like I, you know, I didn't even feel like I could hire a a lab to go in and do what I wanted to do because the labs weren't dealing with real fruit. And so I did start it in my kitchen and I literally started boiling fruit down and almost lit my house on fire a few times, just trying to get the skins and oils um, to basically boil them down to a point where it was an extract. And then after that point, I thought, okay, I'm going to put it in water and see what happens. And then I just decided to take it to my local store to see if I could get it on the shelf. And I started asking just a lot of questions. I was never afraid to ask questions because after a while, you're just used to people kind of laughing at you, right? That, you know, and they'd ask, it was always the same pattern. I'd ask a question and then they'd want to know what I was up to. Why would I ask that question? And then I'd say, oh, I have this idea for a company and people would then try and size me up as to whether or not I was credible enough for them to spend time with me to answer questions. And after a while, I just thought, 
who's going to spend time with me? I'm this, you know, unknown in, in the industry. So I've just got to go and figure this stuff out for myself. So, so that was the initial, you know, kind of steps that it was really figuring it out in, uh, figuring it out in the, you know, early days of the product and then taking it to the local Whole Foods um, in, in San Francisco and getting them to, uh, to put it on the market and see what would happen. But um, that's, that is, uh, you know, more than anything, I think it, it's, it's a story of you've just got to try. You've got to just get it out there and, you know, knock on a lot of doors, kiss a lot of babies along the way, just try and see <laughs> if there's a way to actually start. And it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to hear no's along the way. You're going to, um, you're going to change strategy along the way too. And, and I think that the most surprising thing for me on that first day was not, I was excited to get it in, but then when we sold through, um, the first 10 cases overnight, um, and, you know, that was a story I share in the book as well, that I was having my fourth child, Justin, and got a call in the hospital. And they said, uh, they, they said, you've got to, you know, come and deliver more cases because, you know, we're going to lose the shelf space. And so mm-hmm. that's when I, I, uh, I hadn't anticipated actually going through product that quickly. So how many, uh, how many years did it take until you kind of knew that this was actually going to work because I can imagine there's a lot of grinding, a lot of hard work, a lot of uncertainty. I mean, you're starting with an idea that there'll be millions of people around the world. They've put fruit in their water and, and tasted it and, and liked it, but no one's gone to that next step and actually created the business and scaled it up for everyone to, to use it. So yeah, how many years of uncertainty was there before it actually kicked off and you thought, all right, we're onto something? You know, there were so many points along the way that I now think back on as um, as really, really critical, you know, points along the way where I felt like the brand was getting more and more, you know, traction along the way. But, but I think it was like with those early customers that were writing to me and sharing that the, that Hint was really helping them change something in their life around health that was, you know, still kind of those messages really get me. And those are, that's when I knew that I was onto something. I think more than anything, I needed to find more of those people. I mean, that story in particular that I'm talking about was really the first day that we were on the shelf. And somebody wrote to me off of the email on the bottle and said, I love this product. And um, it's, uh, it's helping me control my type two diabetes. I had never heard of type two diabetes prior to, um, you know, this gentleman emailing me 16 years ago. And I thought this is doing exactly what I thought, helping people to get healthier. Um, but the key was actually finding more of those people, finding more of those people that, and, and sharing with them that this product could actually help them, you know, control their type 2 diabetes or, or overall get, get healthy. Um, but, you know, I, I felt like I knew, I believed early on that 
there were people out there. I think the hardest part was really finding those people because we didn't have money to advertise. I couldn't go and throw up a bunch of billboards and say, hey, if you have you know, type 2 diabetes, our product is great for you because that was only a segment of the audience too. How about all those people who just want it just to drink more water? We have a lot of those people as well. Um, but again, I, I think it was... We knew early on that we were getting traction, and something I always share with entrepreneurs, too, is we've grown every single year uh, for the last 16 years. We've never had a down year. We've, we've you know, grown the right way, too. I think that when you grow too fast or you um, end up not really understanding who your audience is, I think that that's another piece, which is really, really common, especially in a consumer products company when you're not controlling your relationship with a consumer, you don't have a direct response, uh, direct to consumer relationship that um, it, it's hard to actually see who's actually buying your product. And I think for us that when we uh, went to a model of, of, in addition to selling in stores, we started to sell online not just in Amazon, but also on our own site on drinkhint.com. That's something I don't cover in the book, but I mean, that's almost 50% of our overall business now after the pandemic. So, you know, we really have a good gauge of who our customer is and, and uh, you know, who's, who's interested in buying our product. There's a quote in your book, um, which I really liked about books. Uh, I've met or interviewed many entrepreneurs and they can all point to a book that has inspired them, changed their lives or positively affected their companies. Now, is, is there any books that come up more than others um, from the people you've spoken to as being the most powerful? That's a really, really good question. I mean, one of them, actually, this is one of my uh, favorite, favorite authors, but um, favorite books I would say it's more about the author. Less people, I think, have probably mentioned uh, this book in particular, but it's Adam Grant, uh, Think Again. Um, but his book, Originals, I think is, is one that is always great to hear entrepreneurs uh, talk about it, because especially if you're you know, doing something entirely new. You're a visionary entrepreneur. That's what he talks about a lot in Originals, that, you know, you feel a little uh, daunted on days. You feel alone, right? And when you're trying to explain a new concept to people who have, you know, they don't see the value, they're not sort of caught up to where you're at, you know, it's, it's hard, some days. And I think that that book in particular talks a lot about, you know, different entrepreneurs in different industries who have faced that as well. So I would say that that book is probably that book, but also Adam Grant as he's very, very inspiring as well. That's good. Good timing. We just did Think Again a couple of weeks ago. I must admit, I didn't love Think Again, but Originals is probably my, in my top 10 or top 15 favorite books. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it as well. What is the what is the number? I'm curious for you guys. Like, what is the number one one that you guys hear a lot about? Um, so, in the business realm, I feel like Ash might have a different answer. I feel like lean startup gets brought up mm -hmm. a lot. It's um, admittedly 
in my opinion, it's not the easiest, it's not the most captivating book to read, but the actual general concept is uh, phenomenal. And if, you know, if we haven't come across that, that prototype idea or the build, measure, learn feedback loop, which, you know, I'm sure you are naturally or consciously used in your, your journey. I feel like that one uh, comes up a lot. And um, as authors, I'd say Seth Godin's also comes up quite a bit. Um, he's terrific too. Yeah, he's he's also really great. Uh, another one of my really all-time favorite books that actually I don't hear a lot of people uh, talk about it, but it's one that I go back to quite a bit is uh, a book about Bill Campbell. Are you familiar with this? Trillion mm. Dollar Coach. Mm. It's a I'm great not, book. I'm not, is. Yeah. And, well, I, haven't, uh, I haven't read it. I've just, um, yeah, I heard it. It, it. It's only, what, a year or two old? Yeah, and it was Eric Schmidt and a few others um, that wrote the book. But he, it, Bill Campbell actually passed away uh, a few years ago. And the impact that he had on Silicon Valley overall, he was like the, he was the coach whisperer. And I never got a chance to meet him. I knew a few people who he had been at Intuit. And uh, he's just, he was somebody that was just super chill. He would walk in the room and he just, he wouldn't even try, hmm. you know, to sort of, like he wasn't, he wasn't a jerk, right? Like everybody who talked about him, he was just very like, you know, here's how you inspire. Here's how you do things. Anyway, it's it's a great book, whether you're, just trying to be a better leader or you're trying to, um, you know, figure out how, what you're looking for in a mentor uh, as well. I think it's just, it's great reminders for sure. That's awesome. A couple of good recommendations there for sure. Uh, one more, I guess, general or meta question. Uh, how do you know uh, it's time for the next project? How do you know it's time to try something new and try something different? Uh I think it just depends on, well, I think there's two thoughts on this. First of all, if you're talking about inside of your company, um, I think that listening to the customer and having a relationship with the customer uh, is is super, super key. I mean, one of the things that we did a few years ago at Hint is develop a sunscreen. We did it because people started asking me, a beverage entrepreneur, formerly a tech entrepreneur, uh, what kind of sunscreen I wore. And I thought, or what, what kind of food did I eat? Or, you know, how now that I was in this industry, um, what are some of the tricks that they should, they should be aware of? And so that was one thing that I felt like I could really help consumers who were asking me just by solving problems in industries, that I could go to those industries and tell them, you should go and create this sunscreen or this deodorant, which I actually did, and they didn't listen to me, again, because I wasn't in their industry. Um, and, you know, I was just some nice lady who was telling them, you should really go create this. Nobody was listening. So I just thought, I'm just going to go and do this. And, you know, it's interesting because I wanted to do it first to solve a problem for myself, but also to solve a problem for our customers. But the fun thing, and this kind of goes along with your earlier question about when did you know that you had a brand? I remember when we created 
the sunscreen, one customer wrote to me and said, hey, I just wanted you to know that I, I think someone's knocking your product off, your sunscreen. And so, of course, I asked him to send me a, a picture. And on the bottle, it said no oxybenzone. It didn't look anything like my sunscreen, but the customer picked up on the fact that I was calling out an ingredient that hadn't been called out before. Mm. And so when I reached back out to the consumer, I said, uh, that's actually not part of our brand. I mean, it's definitely uh, an ingredient, and, or I should say an ingredient that we don't use in our product. But that's, uh, that's really amazing that you picked up on it. And she said, well, nobody calls it out, but now this other sunscreen is, is calling it out. And it was at that moment when I thought, if my role is not just to help solve problems for consumers, but also to kind of nudge other industries to change for the consumer. So to be an advocate for the consumer, I mean, who wouldn't want to be doing that? If I can sit there and nudge a large soda company to go and create a product that helps people get healthier or a sunscreen company or a deodorant company and really show people that you can go do it or I'm going to go do it. So you decide because people, the consumer is now going to know that oxybenzone does not belong in sunscreen or sweeteners don't belong in water. And when you create products and show people that it can be done, then you have now forced the hand of industries to go and do better in the name of health. And I think that that was, that was really exciting for me from a brand standpoint and, and kind of an unexpected role that I could play in, in the consumer products industry as well. Well, thank you so much, Cara, for coming on. Your story has been absolutely inspiring and um, we recommend everyone to go out there and buy your book, Undaunted. Try your Hint Water as well because uh, me and Asha, we both loved it and um, obviously can help lose weight, which I'm trying to do at the moment and I think you've helped with that. So uh, if people want to find out more or, or uh, buy a book or where, where do you think people should go? Yeah, so online, uh, Audible as well, if you uh, care to listen to the audio version and on Amazon, actually worldwide. Uh, you can also check out, I'm all over uh, social on all platforms at Kara Golden with an I. And uh, I would love to hear from you as well. So thank you so much for having me on. And by the way, the hat looks terrific on you uh, too. So it looks, looks super great. Uh, thank you so much. I love the hat. It's, uh, I wear it every day at the moment when I do my exercise. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's really, really great. Well, terrific. Well, thank you guys so much. And thanks everyone for listening and hope to hear from you. 